You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, Star Wars films, and all the other cool and exciting uh, projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. Today, it is good to be back and finally talking The Bad Batch. We're three episodes in so far, and we're going to finally get to kind of give our thoughts on that series. Um, As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? You said it, Kyle. It's good to be talking about a new Star Wars animated series that we're getting on a weekly basis again, and one that is really, really good. So (laughs) I am definitely excited to be talking about these first few episodes of The Bad Badge. Hey, boys. Remember me? I'm I'm sorry. Who is this? (laughs) I hope you guys got my Independence Day reference. Uh... it, to be honest, it's been a long time since I've seen well, it. Well, I think so. it's been I think it's been a long time since Paul's seen it because he doesn't say "remember me." Wait, no, wait, no, doesn't he? Say no, that? no, he just says "hello, boys, I'm back." No, I swear he says "that's me. right." Yeah. No, nah, Paul, dude, my my family yeah. watched that movie every Independence Day. There's no way he's got to he's got to remember me. He he uh, might say it at some point. Maybe, maybe. I could have sworn. Anyway, regardless, this is not Independence Day. Good Lord. <laughs> Dude, I don't want to even talk about that sequel. Woo! Oh, I, oh yeah, that I no, even no seen, we're not so. bringing that up. <laughs> no, no, you guys are missing much. I'll say that. Um, no, it's um, it's good. It's been, it's been, I miss you guys. Uh, I'm excited to talk about the Bad Batch. I know I had Tim on the Comic Binge podcast. And we had a great time uh, with yeah, Jonah. That was, a lot of fun. Yeah. that was so much fun. Uh, and we'll do more of those too eventually. But yeah, I, I couldn't wait to kind of sit down and really dissect them with you guys together, kind of all put our heads together. Because there's so much, there really is a lot more than I was anticipating to talk about, to be honest. And we'll get into that when we review the, the, the episodes. But but yeah, I'm excited to be back. Um, I'm, yeah, missed being on the last time. But yeah, I'm ready to get, get cracking today. Yeah, well, uh, before we dive in with the Bad Batch, you know, we usually go over the news first. Really, the only news we've got uh, for this episode, you know, there hasn't been any uh, real movie news or anything like that. But um, it was just announced that the dates for Celebration next year in Anaheim have changed. It was originally, uh, well, and obviously this is the one that originally was supposed to be last year. 
um, and got postponed due to COVID. Um, and it was scheduled for August 18th through the 21st, 2022. And now it's been moved up to May 26th through the 29th of next year. So that's over uh, Memorial Day weekend. Um, I still don't have tickets yet. And I'm waiting for, you know, more information to come out about when more tickets are going to be available for sale. But um I don't know. I, I know some people are excited that it's happening sooner and some other people I've seen be kind of disappointed that they were planning on going. And now because of the date change, they might not be able to. But um, I don't know, just a heads up for anybody that, you know, is planning on going to celebration next year. Those have, uh, you know, those dates have changed. But um, are are either of you guys planning on going next year? Well, I'm in the same boat as you. Where I wasn't able to get tickets when they originally went on sale. I remember they went really quick mm-hmm. and I was working that day. So I couldn't really get them. And I was wondering if they were going to have any more information when they announced these date changes about more tickets going on sale. But I guess maybe they're going to wait to see if a lot of people refund them and more become available um, before seeing if they are going to put more on sale. So I'm interested if that's going to happen eventually. And they do got obviously plenty of time to work with that, with maybe with it being a whole year away. So we'll see. But as of right now, I currently don't have any tickets for celebration, but um, we'll see what happens if they do put more out there and if I'm able to get some, because obviously with it being in Anaheim, I want to go there and um, get to meet up with any one of our fellow Star Wars friends who are going to be there. So (laughs) hopefully something will work out. Well, we'll uh, put more tickets up to be available. Um, I don't have tickets, but, uh, you know, I was, pretty much planning on going anyway just kind of using some connections to try to like sneak in or something i don't know like just try to get in through friends or something i don't it's i don't know how i plan on getting in to be honest i was just even if i had to like be outside and just hang out with people when they come out that's fine with me yeah that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at right now because here's the thing i i've been i was extremely blessed being able to go the last three years or last three um, U.S. celebrations, and go in, see all the, um, go to pretty much, I'd say 80% of the, you know, the, the things I wanted to go and see, I was able to go see. I was there for The Mandalorian, right, to Skywalker. I was there for Last Jedi, for The Force Awakens. I was even there for, and Tim, were you here with me? I don't remember if you were, uh, for the, um, I mean, no, you weren't, because I think it was at the same time as your guys' uh, uh, thunder quack uh panel but the the future upcoming movies panel that like only like i felt like only 80 people no, showed I, up for that one i was there yeah yeah oh, i there. i wasn't Wait. at that one because i was in line for the the battlefront demo that's right oh. yeah the one that was and, forever <laughs> and, and that one and for and me and you tim we i think we sat by each other them, I think, right? No, we didn't actually. I, I, I was pretty much on my own on that one. I wasn't sure what everyone was. Everyone's kind of scheduled on that last day was kind of all over the place. So, uh, I told. I think I, I know Dave was with me at least. But yeah, that I went to that one. I went to pretty much every panel I wanted to go to for the most part. And so, and I I've got a lot of exclusive stuff, you know, because of it, and just uh, spoiled rotten basically. So I don't want to like just be like, oh man, I can't go. Blah blah blah. I don't want to be like that. Like I. So if I can't get actually into the actual, you know, convention itself, I'm not going to be like, whoa, this sucks. It's like, I, honestly, my favorite times were to all hanging out outside, you know, getting, you know, hanging out like afterwards. Like that was my favorite times. 
like were those times just hanging out. I mean, there's like, there's gonna be plenty to do. So I, to be honest, I'm probably going to make it out there. I don't know if I'm, I'm going to get in or if it's going to matter or I don't know, but I'll plan on coming out some way somehow. So I will be there. And, you know, I may or may not be staying with Tim. Who knows? I, right now, me and my buddy Dave, we have a hotel. I'm not sure if my wife's going to be like, you cannot do this. How dare you even consider it? We have a daughter now, blah, blah, blah. We'll see. I have no idea. I, can't, I haven't even told her that's what I want to do yet. So I'm pretty much waiting the last possible minute. So then that maybe I'll, I can guilt her into making, letting me go for a couple of days. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> honestly and this is kind of a bummer it's kind of i hate this is gonna sound really dumb but uh i may ask for her permission to go on my birthday for, for my birthday like, <laughs> like meaning like listen i turned 40 i need to go to a celebration because i think i think when we, when we uh got lulu my wife goes all right your days going to celebration are over <laughs> I, 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 I was like all right and i was like all right I mean, she actually brought that up at one point. I forgot why we were even talking about it, but we were. And she says, well, you're, well, I guess you, those days are gone, right? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, but that's the thing is, I, I think I told her, I'm like, if I can somehow make it super inexpensive, I might be able to convince her. But the only the difference, it's not even money now. It's it's just her with Lulu by herself. It's a lot. So, yeah, it it, it, it does throw a wrench in all that. But I even if I came for a couple of days, I, I I just I don't even. Going to the convention is not even a priority for me. It's just to see my friends, like you guys and Justin and everybody. So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of my main thing. But I do plan on going, if anything, just to hang out with people and, and give lots of hugs to everybody. Because I can. I'm vaccinated. And everyone there will be vaccinated too, probably, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. So, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got plenty of time to get it done between now and then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I saw I, – I'd have to go back and check the um, – the policies and stuff, but I thought they said like masks were still going to be mandatory, which I mean, again, like I would hope by this point or yeah, by this point next Something year change. that, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, I would hope by this point next year that that's, you know, not still necessary, but um, yeah. I'm sure at least as of right now, they're planning on taking, you know, every possible safety precaution, which makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be, it's like it's even right now. I remember a lot of people criticizing the conventions, uh, like for coming in in November. People are like, "Oh, this is way too soon." How blah blah blah. blah. And, and again, I understand everyone loves to get an uproar, and especially at the time, it was like, "Oh man, they're being pretty, they're pretty pretty uh, forward with their thinking here." Before even vaccinations were even like going out to people, but now looking back on it with retrospect, it's like, man, they they pretty much made the right decision because these. You know these these conventions need to make money, and I honestly think that's why they probably bumped it up because Repop probably is like we need money ASAP, yeah. and if you want us to keep if you want us to keep uh, afloat and keep doing your conventions, and I know a lot of people hate Repop for whatever reason, and I'm not saying they're great, but if Lucasfilm slash Disney wants to keep a relationship with them from a you know from a financial side because they want them to do their their own stuff, which may be a reason they they may be asking to push it up because we're like if we don't we're going to be bankrupt. It could be that. I and mean, that's why a lot of those convention centers or conventions are like those the, the comic cons and things like that they're coming in November not because it's like you know it, whatever because they're just trying to like you know you know what I'm saying it's not from a complete greed standpoint it's to basically stay a float standpoint. People are criticizing them for oh it's way too early you can't it's like you know let's just wait. If it if it's too early those cancel. What's the harm in that? Like there's no harm. So 
I don't know. But our reason I brought all that up too is because one of the things they, that I think they talked about, one of the, one of the, um, the, the people, she said that uh, no, there's no touching, there's no, there's no handshakes, no hugging, and all this stuff. We're just gonna do like elbow bumps. She kind of joked in the little letter, and I kind of thought there just months ago when this first happened, I kind of sat there and I said, you know, they say this now, but if things look better, they'll probably just rescind this. You know, it's all they have to do. So they could say mask are required, but they can also say it like a month before masks will not be required. They're optional, blah, blah, blah. Because at that point, hopefully things are are so much better, which I assume the way the world or the world, I should say the world, the uh, United States has, has gone with their vaccinations and everything. It sh- everything should hopefully, especially by then, be pretty much like under control. Yeah. So it's at your, it's, it's at your own discretion. And let's be real here, guys. Uh, Concrud is real. We all know it. So it's oh, not absolutely. like wearing yep. a mask. So it's not I mean, just for that reason alone, I'd probably still wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's true. That's like you might not get COVID, but you know, that'll protect you against other stuff too. I, but by the way, I want you all to realize I've gotten the Concrud two out of three times of going to the celebration. The last time I didn't. And you know what I did? And this is all before COVID, obviously. But I pretty much I took sanitizer with me. I didn't have a mask, but I washed my hands and I sanitized my hands literally every 10, 15 minutes. I didn't <laughs> wash my hands every 10, 15 minutes, but I sanitized my hands at least every 10, 15 minutes. I touched a handrail, sanita- sanitized my hands. I touched a doorknob, sanitized my hands. You know, if I was by a bathroom, even though I wasn't peeing or what. I was going washing my hands because I'm like I just want to. I was like, my I was taking vitamins. You're sounding like me there, Paul. I'm so proud of you. No, 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 no. But listen, but listen. Let me tell you something. My my buddy I I work with, he was like, you want to prevent being sick? This is what you do. He he pretty much told me take vitamins, upload on vitamin C before, do all this stuff, and just make sure you don't touch your face. It was like people were saying with COVID, don't touch your face. This is all before COVID. Don't touch your face. All this stuff. All the stuff we all should know, but don't really put into practice. So I literally finally did all those things. I did not get sick. I was the one person out of everyone I knew, I think, that didn't get sick. So I was like, you know what? I'm never. I'm just going to bring a sanitation, you know, sanitizer with me. I'm just going to load that on my hands every five minutes. So, and I wash my hands every five seconds. So I mean, it. You do that, and if you wear a mask, you're not getting sick. It's going to be pretty hard. So, well, if we if we anyway. both end up going to celebration next year, Paul, between you and me, we'll have a well-stocked hand sanitizer. Tim, <laughs> Tim like, like I said, and I think this goes for you too, Kyle. If we don't have tickets or not or whatever, we're going to be there. We're going to. Oh be yeah, there. I'm. I mean, I guess it depends on how many other people I know are going. But yeah, like even Paul. Sure, if that's if you, a good point. Yeah, but like Paul, if you're coming, well, and I, like I said, I'm still trying to get tickets too. I'm going to hopefully find well, some way yeah. to do that between now and then. Um, but yeah, even if I can't like Paul, if you're coming down and if I got a bunch of other friends coming in from, you know, other parts of the country that are going to be there, I mean, that's like a five, six hour drive for me. So I'll go hang out for a weekend, go to galaxy's edge, you know, do all that fun stuff. Yeah. So except that's the only thing I I will say, I may not, I mean, I'll probably will try to go to galaxy's edge, but I'm so glad we had our adventure before because it would be a madhouse. At, at Disneyland for Star Wars oh, yeah, Galaxy, for sure. you know, and so, so just I just want to make that very clear that we we were so smart of going the when we did, guys. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I guess I keep going back to that, being like, man, that was just so <laughs> smart of us. It's ridiculous. 
So, um, but I can't wait to go back any with you guys again. That that was rise of resistance. I will have to hold Tim's hand when I fall and make the free fall. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a real thing. Oh man, I forgot that. about that. Uh, <laughs> I was scared. I don't hate falling. It sucks. It's like freaky for me. I panic. I just I can't. I just don't think. And Tim was very sweet. I love you, Tim. Hey, with how immersive that ride is, it's it's all good because it felt so real, like we were falling in a skate pod into space. So (laughs) so good. And this shows you how good it was. I'm willing to do that again because it was so good. Oh, my God. (laughs) So we are definitely doing that again. One way or another, we'll we'll go to Disneyland. We'll do that again for uh, if we all go to celebration. We have to do that at least once. If not, like eight times. Um, all right. Well, yeah. So like I said, that, that info is out there for anybody that's planning on or thinking about trying to go to celebration next year. Um, like I said, not really any news other than that. Um, you know, there were, wait, hold on. There, there was the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing. I was, well, I was going to mention that briefly. I mean, there weren't any big announcements on May 4th or anything like that. Um, you know, we know we got the, the shows upcoming in production, but yeah, you and McGregor went on like Jimmy Kimmel or something was talking a little bit about filming Obi-Wan and like they're filming it right now. Um, and I think he said something in that interview about like on May 4th, he got to film a scene with somebody that he'd like, like somebody special to him that he'd never filmed with before or something like that. And so, you know, people, of of course, that sent people off into a tizzy of speculation about like, oh, is it, uh, you know, is it somebody playing Satine? Is it somebody playing, you know, it can't be Qui-Gon, like maybe a young Luke or, you know, somebody that's related to him that's going to be in the show or whatever. Um, sure. But I mean, I, honestly, the biggest takeaway for me it was just cool to hear you and McGregor talk about playing Obi Wan again, um, and we've yeah. heard, we've heard him do that in various interviews over the past year or so, anyways. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just the fact that we've got another one in production right now. I mean, right now they're what shooting uh, Book of Boba Fett and Cassian and Obi Wan. Yeah. Um, or Andor, yeah. So all three, all three of those are in production right now. Actually, though, no, you know what? I think I don't know if they're still shooting Book of Boba, but they might actually be in production on Mando season three by now. Yeah, because I think because right. Pedro yeah. Pascal also posted a picture on social media um, on May the fourth, and it was he was like on one of the sound stages and was in his Mando costume. Um, so, and I mean, I, I suppose that could also be, you know, maybe he's going to appear in Book of Boba Fett, but, um, you know, he's obviously uh, back at it too. So that was cool to see. Okay. I have, I have two things about the Obi-Wan scene really, really quick. Um, first thing is if it's not, um, oh my God, uh, Joel Ed- Edgerton, whatever his name is, if it's not him, because I don't know if he technically had a scene with him or not, um, I think it could be Frank Oz because I don't think he ever had a scene mm. with Frank Oz. Did he? That makes a whole lot of sense. Well, yeah. well, not in person. Oh yeah. 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 So he could have, yeah. Cause Frank Oz obviously voiced Yoda and all the prequels, but he was all digital. And so if they're doing something in the, the Kenobi series where, well, he, where no, he like talks to Yoda. In the Phantom right. Menace, the last scene. But, oh, well that's true. Obi-Wan that's and Yoda. true. That's but true. was Obi-Wan there though? Was he actually there on set? Yeah, because yeah. there's that. Remember the behind the scene documentary? You see Frank Oz, oh, kind right. of underneath with the puppet, and McGregor's right there. I wonder if it's Joel Edgerton then, because I only I don't think 
they were on, I think it was a pickup shot, wasn't it? That he did with Obi Wan. And you don't it's, really see it could have been one of those scenes where they weren't filmed at the same time. But also, like I said, he, he said it was someone special to him. And like, I don't know if he has a personal relationship with Joel Edgerton or somebody like that. So it made me think it's not just someone that's like mm. an esteemed actor, but someone like, like gotcha. said, may, maybe like his daughter is going to get to be in it or, you know, well, that's the other thing. Like Jimmy Kimmel did ask, Oh, is this like a relative of yours? And you he, he pretty much said, no, it wasn't. Unless oh, he's that's playing right, coy, that's right. But... And then people were wondering, oh, is he doing like the Paul Bettany thing with holding with the final episode of WandaVision where he said he worked with an actor he never worked before and he was so excited and ended up being himself <laughs> with the white vision? Oh, and I forgot about thinking, that. Is it going to be something like that? <laughs> or like he's working with himself? I don't think so. so. I don't think so went... either, but it's like, yeah, man, it just makes you think, what could it be? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that if there could be... I think it's something um, is interesting. I wonder if it would, maybe it was his girlfriend, um, the, well, the, girl, the girl he's been seen with. I thought about that too, but apparently they've worked together in uh, Fargo, and they were also both. In, I don't know if they had a scene together, but they were both in Birds of Prey. You're right; they were. And they were in. Far- that's how they knew each other was through Fargo. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. Because that was the okay. first thing. That was the first thing that popped into my head. Was that maybe she's going to be in it too, um, and that could still be the case. I mean, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's even something where he had a scene with the young actor who's going to be playing a young Luke, and we don't know who that is. But maybe it's someone that you McGregor knows, and it was just a special moment to be filming a scene with him as Obi Wan and with Luke. And that could be something that would have been pretty special. Mm-hmm. especially doing it on May the 4th. I don't know. Could be something in that regard. Yeah. So who knows? We'll see. Um, I wonder if we're going to be able to sort of pinpoint that when we're watching the show and be like, oh, I bet that's the special scene that mm-hmm. they filmed on May the 4th. Or if, you know, we're going to have completely forgotten about it by then. And this is like not nearly as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. Um, which regardless, which probably is, will be the case. Let's be honest. Like, you know, Star Wars fans tend to just well, latch on to any little thing we can get, but um, sure. Like well, I said, regardless, regardless I it's just I, cool to know that this show is actually like in production now. That somewhere exactly. out there, you and McGregor is running around in his Obi Wan costume, and we're gonna get to see it at some point. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly, I, I, and this is like not like rocket science to figure this out. I think Obi Wan's gonna be gigantic. I, I think it's gonna be huge. I think it's gonna be. I I'm gonna call it here now. I think Obi Wan is gonna be so big they might even do a sequel to the, to the show. Like I I think mm. they say it's a one time like whatever. I think it's gonna be so successful they aren't gonna be they're they're gonna have they're gonna be like we have to do another one. We have to. Like I just I just feel it in my bones. I just feel it. Just feel it. Like the Mandalorian. I, I knew the Mandalorian was gonna be gigantic. And again, not rocket science. But I knew I was like, this is going to be Game of Thrones level. I, I mean, I didn't predict Baby Yoda, obviously. That's like crazy. But I, I predicted the show would be huge. And as far as like, you know, next Game of Thrones. And I was right. I just kind of this feeling and the guts telling me Obi-Wan's going to be so gigantic. They're going to have to do a sequel. Again, maybe a while. It may just be all on Tatooine or I, again, whatever. I don't know. It may just be a very basic story. I think it's going to be so successful that it's going to make Disney be like, we got to do another one. And it, Ewan's gonna be like, yeah, let's do it. That was awesome. Let's do another one. And then the story's right. And I bet 
everyone with having a clear idea of if it's again if it's that successful there's going to be a lot of writers who i think will will have good story pitches ready to go for where to go between um whatever that would be i would i, I would think so i i'm just call it here now i think obi-wan is going to be gigantic i'm sure it's going to be big but i don't know I mean, as far as it getting a sequel, we'll just have to see. Um, well, of course, sort of, yeah. You know, well, because yeah, it also depends on like where the story leaves off and if there's even, you know, room for a sequel. I mean, and I'm sure like there's obviously always going to be more stories you can tell, but I kind of have a feeling that this might end with you know whatever's going on here and whether you know if Obi Wan really does like leave Tatooine to go fight Vader or something. I think it's going to end with him being like, okay, no, now I just got to stay put until Luke is ready. Um, right. But I don't know. We'll we'll see. That's a ways off. Um, but I mean, we know we know two things. One, fans like Obi Wan Kenobi, and two, Disney likes money. So yes, a sequel. I don't think a sequel to anything is ever out of the question if it's successful, even if it's you know pitched as just a mini series or a one off thing. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um. Word. But anyways, uh, that's it for the news. Um, let's jump into our main discussion topic of the night. Uh, three episodes in so far. How are you guys feeling about the Bad Batch? Oh, my God. You had to lead it like that. You had, you had to leave it so <laughs> open-ended. Oh, my God. Tim, you go ahead. You're the clone guy. I mean, I know Kyle, you're the clone guy, too. But, Tim, you're like the ultra. I'm, ultra, I'm the ultra Clone ultra. Wars guy. Tim is the Clone <laughs> Trooper guy. That's fair. There That's you fair. Go. I think Tim should go first. Tim? Well, you guys knew how excited I was going into the series when it was first announced, and then especially after we got that trailer. And I even said how it kind of felt like I was one of the few who was really excited about the show going into it. So um, I had a feeling I was going to really enjoy it, but it actually superseded my expectations in a big way with that first premiere i absolutely loved it the premiere was amazing i honestly felt um it could be the best star wars tv premiere ever i mean it's kind of hard to put it up against live action with the mandalorians but i think definitely with animated stuff it's the best premiere we've gotten and just when it was over i just like man i can't wait to see every second of this new animated series and for the season and each the next two episodes that we got have not disappointed especially with this last one that we got this week with the episode, the replacements. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like better and better <laughs> each episode. I don't really three in, but that's the case with it for me so far. So I absolutely love it. I think they're doing some great things with the story, unexpected things that I was, didn't necessarily see coming firsthand when uh, we got the trailers and the announcement of the shows, but everything that's happening is just for the better. And I just cannot be, more happy, more excited about this series so far, three episodes into it. So, yeah, it exceeded my expectations after seeing that premiere. And that just that excitement has just continued over these last few weeks. So it's going to be a real fun couple of weeks. It was 16 episodes, they said, and for three. And so about hopefully 13 more weeks of this stuff. I mean, it's going to be awesome <laughs> for us Star Wars fans to be getting this kind of content for the next 13 weeks. I couldn't be happier, really. I just love it. You all remember how I I was not excited about this announcement, and I know I wasn't alone. And I I think that 
I, I stand by not being excited about the announcement as far as at the time, it just felt very just, just why? And I, 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 I don't remember 100% what exactly I said, it, but I, and I'm pretty sure I, I said about most stuff, I'm willing to be proven wrong. I'm willing to go into something and, and, and want them to wow me. And I didn't think it was going to be terrible, but I just, you know, without knowing anything about it, it just was like, this, that's the premise. Like I, the, the, that on paper doesn't interest me whatsoever. But, you know, it was an animated series about the Bad Batch characters. It's like, eh, really? We couldn't have done something else? And very much like, well, we get a solo movie. Like, very, very much in that vein, I understand. But at the same time, I'm not going to go into it with that, those expectations of like, oh, I don't want this. This is stupid. Like, I'm, I want to, you know, give me a reason to want to watch this show. That's what I was wanting. To, and if they, as long as they gave me a, a solid reason and it was, then I'm good. I didn't have to be wow me. This had to give it a solid, good reason for existing. And I'm, and I'm, and that usually is enough for me. Usually, like Tim, this completely blew away my expectations, and it kind of gradually did that with the trailer. Because again, I didn't know what kind of animation we're going to get. If we're going to get Rebels animation style, which again is not bad. But this is a, that's not even close to what Rebel or excuse me, what Clone Wars was doing with the last season. That stuff looked unreal, and we obviously got that confirmed. And I'm like, okay, that immediately makes me a lot more excited for this. And like everything looks about the same tone wise, so we're good. Going into that premiere episode, like Tim said, I was blown away how great it was. I was blown away how compelling the characters were. I was blown away how much I loved Omega. I was blown away. And, I, and granted, like I remember me back in the, the the trailer review, I I already liked her. I'm like, I like this character. There's something about her. Something interesting. There's this. There's I like how they're presenting this to us. And the 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 show that first episode, you immediately connect with the character. I'm a 39 year old man. I connected to Omega immediately. And that is a. And again, and this is why I always go back to. You can, this is not, George says it's for children. I really do think he means for of all ages. I, mean, I think he, everyone could say that, but I do feel Star Wars is a family thing that everyone can sit down and enjoy their stuff and get something from it as a family, not just kids, kids from all ages. And that's why it's a great family movie or family thing to do with together. And so with all that said, I immediately connected to Omega. I immediately connected to the characters. Like the, the Bad Bats themselves, which I was not expecting because I already knew them from the series before and I thought they were fine. They weren't my favorite. They weren't, I didn't, I thought they were, they were solid characters. They weren't blowing me away by any means, no pun intended, but you know, like it's just whatever. But this series, the way it was written, the way it was it, not just written, the way it's shot, it's just, yeah. it really is cinematic. And, I'm, and I, I rewatched all the episodes today, which, again, was just kind of, you know, plopped them on. And, I, you know, it wasn't like analyzing them you know, verbatim. I was hanging out with my daughter and we were playing and I had them playing in the background. So but I was able to get enough and see enough. And, you know, when she's like, you know, just gets distracted and starts doing something else for a couple of minutes. And, and I sit down and I start watching all the action shots. And I'm like, man, these are just phenomenal. And the way they move, it looks real. It almost looks real. Like the way they're moving, they're not, it's not just kind of, just kind of, 
what's the word I'm looking for? And something even even the previous seasons that I love of the Clone Wars, there's the the fluidity the fluidity to what they are moving isn't always smooth and seems supernatural. It just seems animated cartoon. Whereas in this, like when like uh, how Crosshair, you know, his helmet on and how he is responding and reacting and, and moving, I'm like, this feels like it's real. Like it, it looks real to me. It, it's really it's almost uncanny valley. To be honest, I'm like, what am I watching? Like, this is weird. And I know it, maybe I'm being over dramatic about it, but I'm being serious. I, I watched it all again today, and I'm just like, this looks ridiculously good. And I'm sorry I'm being long winded here, but I got to tell you, this is incredible. Like, this show is incredible. And I cannot believe I'm saying that because I, I put a tweet out on Friday after watching that third episode. I said, this show has no right being this good. Like, and I, and, I, and I say that not to like be offensive. I say <laughs> that because, but you know, but I say that because it's, if you look again on paper, it's about these defected clones and they're about, they're basically running from the empire that on itself does not sound like a very compelling, emotional, like grabbing story. But then the way they've written it, the way they presented it, the way they're, they're, it's, it's it's incredible like how they're bringing in the aspects of the stormtroopers we're seeing that already it's incredible like this show is ridiculously good and i'm just blown away of what lucasfilm animation is giving us and i, I gotta tell you guys i mean they they really need, i think lucasfilm and disney need to dub, keep doubling down on this animation don't stop with a bad batch keep it going and the reason why I say that is because they need to keep building up those resources and their uh, their computers, whatever. I'm, again, I'm not a computer guy, so I don't know what the hell I'm saying. But I do know that all those things they have are all saved from the previous seasons in Clone Wars, and they you know repurpose things and they build and they, you know it takes time to keep building the assets they have to keep reusing them and, and make the animation look great and have a more diverse looking um, again diverse planets and things like that um, you know thing or show right. And I got to tell you, with how they keep building in this with the Bad Batch and how amazing it looks, uh, I have no, I, I don't, I think they need to keep building. I'm not sure how it works if they could do multiple series at a time with the same animation, but I think they need to because, or, or something, because I think this animation looks incredible. I think the storytelling is serious, but yet still aims at the, again, family aspect that it's not just for kids, not just for adults, it's for everybody. And it's built around being for everybody. So it's not always playing it safe. So when Crosshair starts assassinating people, it's not like, okay, we gotta, you know, do it away, you know, you know, pull the camera away and do it off screen. No, 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 it, he just does it. And you're like, oh crap, he just killed that dude. Wow, okay. Like that kind of stuff. And you saw the great stuff with Omega that's all about, again, and emphasizing the kid stuff when the kids, when she's playing with the, with cuts, um, you know, kids or whatever, like that stuff is so important. All that's important to give a family a real great, uh, time of sitting down together as a family. So I, again, I, I'm going on and on. I'm sorry, Kyle, but I think the show is incredible. I can't wait to kind of break down more with it with you guys, but this, ex like, like you said, Tim superseded my expectations. I can't believe how great the show is. I can't wait to see where it goes. Omega is a phenomenal character that I can't wait to see what happens with her and the theories. And, and again, I, this is another thing to be excited about guys. Uh, theories are back. 
we can have fan theories again. Oh, it's yes. exciting. <laughs> and I love, and you know what? Like, yeah, some are, out, are super crazy nuts that I think that are terrible. But you know what? I don't care because I'm just I'm glad people are speculating and have been and there's fun in theorizing again because I miss that goddamn it. So you know, I just I'm just thankful that this series exists and it's given me an idea of star, where Star Wars has come from or where Star Wars started and where it's going. It may not be exactly what I envisioned completely, but this is why. I sit down and eat popcorn and watch and enjoy. And I don't care if it's, and that's why I always am open-minded when they announce something like our SARS resistance. Yeah. I wasn't super excited about the idea. I sat down, I watched it. It wasn't for me. I didn't like it as much as other people. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't my thing. But you know what? I sat down and gave it an honest chance. I watched all of it. Again, my opinion, I move on. No big deal. Bad batch. Eh, I wasn't super excited. Blew me the hell away. Solo was like, okay, yeah, solo was fine one of my favorite Star Wars movies now. I mean, it's, it. just go into it, may not love every announcement, but just go into something open-minded and wanting to give it a fair chance and wanting to love it. If you go in wanting to love something and you still don't, then that's fair. But just give it the chance to love it. Don't go in and be like, I don't watch your solo movies, are stupid. Like, don't go like that. Don't, I, I, I can easily do that too with Bad Batch. Come on, Bad Batch, I don't care about this. I want Jedi, my team is a, you know, whatever. But, <laughs> But no, I didn't. And you know what? I'm glad I didn't now. Because I didn't ask for Rogue One either. And Rogue One's amazing. So, and I didn't ask for Mandalorian or Baby Yoda either. But that's amazing. So you know what? Why don't you just give things a chance? Be open-minded about it. If you don't like it, that's fair. But just at least give it a fair chance. Don't go in disgruntled. Anyway, my rant's over. Kyle, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with everything you guys have said so far. Um, I think it's off to a great start, and I think I went into it with expectations somewhere between where you guys were at. I think I was maybe a little more excited about it than you were, Paul, but a little bit less than Tim was. Um, and yeah, I, I agreed. The finale, or the premiere, blew me away. I mean, seeing uh, you know young Kanan uh, there at the beginning and have him being the Jedi that they were with for Order sixty six definitely didn't see that coming. Um, by the way, in case we didn't already mention this, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen these episodes yet. I don't know why <laughs> and, you'd be, why, why you'd be listening we, to this, but... Hey, Kyle, we have to talk about Kanan at some point. Not oh, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Of course. I'm, I'm talking about... We're just doing general overview first, but yeah, we'll, get, right, we'll right. get more into some specific details and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think... And it's funny because, like, I think the main reason that I was excited about this show, because when I when it was first announced, I was like, eh, the Bad Batch were fun characters. I liked their arc in Clone Wars Season 7, but, like, that's not the group of characters that I most would have wanted to focus, to have a spinoff show focus on, or, you know, have, have a new series focus on with them as main characters, when there's so many other different interesting stories you could tell. And then I thought about it, and I thought, man, but you know, focusing on a group of clones immediately after the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire and, you know, this group of clones that are sort of outcasts and then we saw from the trailers that it appeared that they were going to be on the run from the Empire and kind of at odds with them. And so to see from their perspective the sort of shift in, you know, the Empire and what they're doing with the clone troopers and that transition from clones to stormtroopers and just digging into all this stuff uh, post- 
Return or post Revenge of the Sith, and specifically again in in regards to just the Republic transitioning into the Empire and what that means for the clones themselves. And there's a lot of material there that we hadn't dug into yet. And so far, like that was what got me most excited for the show. That was probably the aspect that I was most excited about going into it. And that's definitely, I feel like, what has delivered the most. Um, even with like the next couple episodes. Um, like actually, so I, I'll be honest, like normally when a new Star Wars thing comes out, I'm chomping at the bit, like I got to watch it right away. The We're recording this Sunday night in the most recent episode that came out Friday. I actually didn't watch till today because um, I've had, uh, uh, well, I've had a couple different, I had like a birthday party on Friday night. I had a friend come over and hang out last night and Mass Effect Legendary Edition just came out and I've been playing that all weekend. And I was like, <laughs> I know I'm recording with Tim and Paul Sunday night, so I'll watch Bad Batch sometime before then. So I just watched it this afternoon and I thought this episode was fantastic, but I found myself, like the storyline with the Bad Batch and they're on the moon and they're trying to get the part back to repair their ship. That was kind of like, eh, okay, mm -hmm. that's a fun side quest, whatever. Yep. Mm -hmm. the, stuff with exactly. the, the stuff with Crosshair on Kamino and yes. and Tarkin and the Empire and implementing you know the new recruits and everything, that was like, oh, shoot, this is way more interesting than what, whatever the Bad <laughs> Batch is doing right now. So, um, Well, but, but see, and be fair, like, you're exactly right, Kyle. But what's also awesome is that it was a great character building episode for everybody. And at this point, that again, the heavy lifting's going to crosshair, and that's the most interesting because again, what they're dealing with. But all that stuff that's going on with the Bad Batch on that planet, that's gonna be all carried over and very important later on. And and that for stuff with Omega and, and Oh, I know. And like, and look, and I'm not no, no, saying no, 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 I'm no, no, not no, saying no, that, I, that yeah. I'm not saying that that was boring or that uh um, no, no, I don't think you were either. But yeah, I, I, I was just really quick. I, well, yeah, this, yeah, this, this is this is my rant now. Um Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um <laughs> but no, just like yeah, so I think I mean, at least for me, it still feels like the show is maybe still finding its footing a little bit. Um, and that's not, you know, a, a criticism or a negative or anything, but like, I feel like first three episodes overall, it's not like I'm completely blown away. Um, but I'm definitely, I'm invested. I'm enjoying the ride. I think they're laying a lot of interesting groundwork and like you're saying, Paul, like even stuff that maybe isn't super exciting, but you know, just some of like the quieter moments between Omega and Hunter or like the rest of the group or whatever, like obviously that's laying the groundwork for a lot of character development and character relationships going forward. And I'm definitely interested to see where those go and see Omega become more a part of this team. And I mean, I love her character so far. I can't wait to see like what's her whole deal with like the secret that, you know, the Kaminoans were keeping her, um, you know, it seems like she might be some part of some kind of plan that they have or have some sort of mysterious origins or something that we might get into later. Um, and I'm kind of I'm realizing that I kind of have to, like, keep my expectations in check because after coming off of like season seven of the Clone Wars, where obviously like we had six seasons building up to that and we know we're going into Siege of Mandalore and we know everything that's going to happen. And, you know, we're looking forward to like all the big connections and all the big climaxes and all that kind of stuff. And then coming off of like Mandalorian season two, where every episode was like a big cameo or big, you know, character coming in from Clone Wars or Luke Skywalker or Boba Fett or whatever. And, you know, or stuff setting up um, other potential live action spinoff shows like it, every Every week of Mandalorian season two just felt like a big event. Um, 
And so with the Bad Batch, it's kind of nice to go back to a show. And, you know, this kind of harkens back to, like, the earlier seasons of Clone Wars and Rebels, where, like, not every episode necessarily is going to knock your socks off. Not every episode is, like, a big, like, galaxy-shaking event. But every episode is a fun adventure with some fun characters that you get to know and, and see some cool stuff. And I feel like this show is going to keep just building on that momentum and, um, you know, just just be a fun ride overall. But I do think it's going to build to some really big and cool moments. Um, I mean, again, I think they're already kind of planting the seeds for that with, like, Crosshair and the Empire. And again, even after, like, three episodes, you can kind of tell, like, they're already getting into the fact that Hunter or that, that Crosshair is, like going along with the empire because of his programming and because he his inhibitor chip works more than the rest of theirs do and so they're already talking about like oh it's not his fault and maybe there's some way we can kind of bring him back um and so i don't know if that's going to be something that's like a story arc just for season one and then we're going to get crosshair back with the gang next season or if that's going to be like over the course of the entire series but um i can't wait to see where that goes um but yeah, and then also, I mean, I think one of you guys mentioned this too, that like with the characters themselves, um, just the the members of the squad, like again, when we first saw them in Clone Wars, like they were fun. They were very much sort of like archetypal action heroes where like you've got the leader and the big muscle guy and the, the tech slicer guy and the sniper and, you know, all of their personalities kind of fit that. Um but even just like from the first episode of this series, their their personalities were a lot more fleshed out. Um, they were a lot more sort of like likable and relatable and um, like Wrecker being sort of the comic relief. I found him a lot funnier uh, from the get-go in this series than he was in that Clone Wars where, you know, rather than just being like, oh, haha, yeah, they got to have the big guy be in there for laughs. Like he had some moments that actually genuinely did make me laugh and that I really enjoyed. So... Yeah, I'm I'm just enjoying getting to know these characters more. I'm enjoying the groundwork that they're laying for where the story can potentially go. Um, and also, like you said, the show is just absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, we talked about that with the trailers and seeing that, you know, this was a similar animation style as Clone Wars, obviously, and that they're sort of continuing to build on that. Um, and we knew from the trailers that it was going to look good, but just the first couple minutes that I watched booting up the premiere for the first time, I was like, holy crap, this looks amazing. The trailers did not do it justice. Uh, just the, the cinematography, the lighting, the, um, just the, the animation quality and the detail and everything is off the charts. And so I think it's worth tuning in every week just for that, for a, a visual feast of Star Wars animation, but um yeah i'm I'm loving the characters and the story and everything as well yeah i mean that premiere this i mean it even started with the clone war like newsreel was tom kane being the narrator mm -hmm. over it and it just felt like oh man we're watching clone war season eight right now <laughs> like mm -hmm. the season premiere for clone war season eight but it was just it was a great way to get you into the series kind of have a, that comfort feeling of knowing kind of continuing on with the clone wars but yet you're going to be going into the aftermath at the end of the war. And again, just what I was really looking forward to most in the series, seeing how the clone troopers deal with the aftermath of the war. And that's the title of the episode and just how everything changes for them and how you see the two different sides of it, the clone troopers that get affected with order 66 and how they just become servants and almost slaves of the empire just right away. And then how the 
bad batch with them, well, for most of them anyway, not being affected and how they're viewing the clones that are now just being loyal service to the Empire, serving them blindly, and how it kind of already the Bad Batch looked as looked at the regs, as they call them, um, kind of they look down upon them, really, and just how they don't want to associate too much with the regular clones. And now even more so that's brought to a head after Order 66 goes down. So just all that stuff, I mean, right off the bat, and we kind of got an idea from the trailers that we'd probably see them deal with Order 66 when we saw them them with fighting alongside regular clone troopers. And we kind of figured it would probably be one of the last battles in the Clone Wars. But man, <laughs> I was not expecting to see what actually went down in the beginning of this episode with Order 66, just getting another great perspective of that event happening. Um, obviously, we've gotten multiple ones now, and it just adds to the weight of the tragedy of the event of Order 66. Obviously, in Revenge of the Sith, and then seeing it through Ahsoka and Rex's eyes, and now we get to see it through the Bad Batch and Kanan's eyes here, and just, man, it was just so well done. And like you guys said, we'll get into the aspects of dealing with Kanan more in a bit, but just as a way to kick off the series, I thought, it couldn't have been done any better with showcasing of what the series and at least that premiere is going to be about exactly what I was hoping for. The aftermath of the clone troopers during, or I should say when the clone wars is ended and just how they're going to be transitioning into the empire. Just how is that actually going to go down? Then once Tarkin gets into the mix and boy, do I have some things to say about that, but uh, just the way I was just so happy that that's how it started off. It didn't waste any time. We got a little, Clone Wars action in there, feeling right at home with a new Clone Wars adventure, but then things it starts going on its own path and then setting the tone for what this series is going to be and how it is going to be a bit different from Clone Wars, which we got to expect since the Clone Wars is over. But I just loved how well executed it was, pun intended, <laughs> the series getting off uh, on the right footing that it did and establishing its own path later on. So yeah, I just the opening sequence of this was incredible. Like you guys said, just from a technical animation standpoint, but also from the storytelling standpoint of what the series is going to be about. I just thought it was so well done, just so perfect. Yeah, and seeing those moments from episode three in that opening reel, like with Anakin yes. Obi-Wan <laughs> rescuing the Chancellor, that was just... So cool to see. I mean, obviously, we got some glimpses of that in um, the opening reel of uh, of the Siege of Mandalore, and I wasn't expecting to get even more of that here and to see, um, yeah, shots of Anakin and Obi-Wan right out of Revenge of the Sith in the Clone Wars animated style was just mind-blowing and so cool. Um, and then, yeah, to cut right to that opening battle, and you know that, you know, we're, we're going to be getting to the Bad Batch right away, but when you see a bunch of clones and the Jedi with them is Depa Balaba, yeah. I immediately, <laughs> like, right there, I was like, oh, Dave, I see what you're doing to us. Um, you know, and, and I, I love that connective tissue, like, that, um, you know, obviously we've seen a lot of, like, Clone Wars and Rebels characters already appear in live action in The Mandalorian, um, but immediately kicking off the Bad Batch, which, you know, we know is immediately following up Clone Wars, but putting a Rebels connection in there right from the get-go, just making this all feel, you know, like these stories are all part of one universe, um, and not just the Star Wars universe, but particularly the stuff that Dave Filoni is involved in, and seeing him make those those nice little connections was cool, and then, you know, of course, Kanan comes sliding down the hill, or Caleb uh, Caleb Doom, as he's still known during this time period. But, um, yeah, that was just a treat. Like, I mean, we had debated back and forth, like, are the Bad Batch going to go through with Order 66? Would they actually kill a Jedi? Are they even going to be with a Jedi? Um, 
So, you know, again, the big question in my mind starting off was like, are they going to be with the Jedi when Order 66 goes down? Not even considering that it might be a Jedi that we know well, um, especially, you know, with it being Kanan from Rebels. So that was just um, just a really fun way to start it off. And then, of course, a really dramatic way to start it off once Order 66 goes down. And, um, you know, his backstory that we know from Rebels of his master getting killed, we see that playing out right here. Yeah, and I, I think that that it was such a great bridge of what this was, and it kind of served so many different purposes of having the the newsreel, having the fade from Clone Wars into Bad Batch, having that all be a cohesive, mm. like again, literal bridge. Like, hey, everyone, this is different, but it's kind of the same, and it was a great bridge of having that, and I think also having the fact that it's so crazy to have one show where the, the clones are all the it, not just like you know from a story standpoint but from a, a aesthetic standpoint where the, the clones are the heroes and you're supposed to get behind them to now they're the enemy and you're seeing them kind of yeah. be jerks it, it, it's it's different when you see it from animation to film you can kind of make that like oh this is different you know what i mean like from that sub i think that subconscious level you just go oh, okay it's, it's whatever right no, no no now you're seeing it from the the same exact style of animation and it's a lot more jarring and it actually hits a lot harder i think to be yeah, honest you're absolutely right at, yeah um to see them turn on the jedi because again i spent you spent what seven seasons rooting for the clones and now you're like oh no and it's it's it really is kind of like it's kind of a kick in the pants a little bit to be honest it's like man like that kind of that hits and it, it way more than i thought it was going to and again, it's really interesting that they're doing that. Like they went, you know, and did a whole, you know, series on the clones are heroes. Now that the clones are basically enemies and we're going to phase them out. And what does that mean? And it's just, it's again, it's, it's really cool to see that transition. Like we, we would hear about it in, you know, in novels or comics or other shows or whatever. And now we're seeing the literal translation on screen, uh, the transition from, the Republic to the empire. And I, and that being the emphasis it's, and again, I think that obviously the bad batch is that vehicle that, that I think ultimately what sold the series to probably Disney was the fact that they said, listen, we've got these characters that are very marketable. And not only that, but we can literally bridge from the prequels to the, the original trilogy and have, we can see that literal transition. We can put it on screen. And how interesting and, and how that will play to both audiences. Because, you know, there's still, unfortunately, you know, a, a, we're OT only, blah, blah, blah. It, it, that will play to that audience still and everything. So it's very genius, actually, what they're doing. And at least from, you know, again, I knew that that's what they were trying to do. But how they're doing it is really, really creative and awesome. And I'm very impressed with what they've, what they've done and how they're doing it. And, man, it is – episode three, is especially the Crosshair stuff. Which again, forgive me. I'm not sure if we're going in order, if we're just kind of spitballing. I'll wait to kind of you tell me. But episode three specifically really, really made me go, man, they're really going deep on this. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. loved it. So. Well, we'll tell you what. Let's do this. I mean, 
I, I'm not, since we're already got three episodes in, I'm not planning on going through and doing like a deep dive of each episode Good. and going, you Good. know, entirely through the plot, but we can kind of go through in sequential order. Um, you know, like okay. I said, we, we just kind of talked about the beginning of the premiere and Kanan and then we can, so we'll go through each episode and just kind of talk about any big specific points or character moments or whatever that we want to hit. Um, and, uh, I mean, pretty, so in that premiere, pretty soon after, um, you know, Order 66 goes down, the Bad Batch are heading back to Kamino, um, and, uh, you know, obviously Crosshair, or, like, Hunter and the rest of the Bad Batch don't go through with the Order, and Hunter, like, uh, you know, help, basically lets Kanan get away, um, and Crosshair calls him out on it, and he's, like, the one of the squad that's, like, good soldiers follow orders, and, uh, wants to kill the Jedi, and wants to do what the Empire says, um, and it was, I mean, that was another interesting thing too, them kind of delving more into the whole idea of the inhibitor chips and the programming and everything. And obviously, because this was one thing that I was wondering too, was like, are the inhibitor chips there just to make them go along with Order 66 and kill the Jedi? And then afterwards, like, how do the clones feel about that? Or are we going to see sort of any like emotional or psychological fallout from that? But no, like, it seems like these inhibitor chips are just like a switch that gets flipped. And now yeah. they are like, servants of the empire like unquestioning um you know and, and so um it, it would be interesting to know like how much of that was really programmed into like was it just order 66 was there you know more that went after that but um i mean you do really see you now like yeah these these chips and this programming and everything has like completely turned them all into just sort of like drones um that will unquestioningly follow orders you know but i mean at least from what we've seen it seems like they've lost a lot of their personality um but then again i mean we haven't really seen like clone troopers that we knew um aside from like jesse and rex back in siege of mandalore but i mean there is really a stark contrast and i love the scene where uh they're standing there watching palpatine's speech where he says uh you know the republic is now the first galactic empire and all the regular clones are like cheering and fist bumping and you know they're super excited about it and like tech and the rest of the bad batch are looking around like this is weird right like you guys believe me now something's off about this mm -hmm. um so that's just really cool to see like and you know again see the the effects of that programming and then them dive into it more with crosshair too and the fact that like you know they they kind of give the explanation that um echo with everything he's been through and him almost dying and being experimented on by the separatists and everything like his programming's pretty much gone and all the rest of the bad batch just because of their genetic mutations like their programming doesn't work the way it's supposed to or they maybe uh you know weren't implanted with inhibitor chips or something like that but crosshair out of all of them like his chip is the closest to like a working functioning inhibitor chip and so he doesn't have like all of that programming but he's got enough of it that he still is sort of inclined to go along with the empire's orders and then they take him and like experiment on him and amplify that up and turn him into like their own uh personal executioner basically that we see later on but um yeah really interesting to like just sort of see the effects on that on the clones like behavior and personalities and um again i'm excited to see where they go with that throughout the season as i'm sure they're going to try to like free crosshair from that brainwashing but um yeah that was just another uh another interesting element that i thought they brought to it yeah i was eating all that stuff off <laughs> eating all that stuff up as it was happening i mean like i said it paul we're just where we're seeing it on screen now the transition of clone troopers like as servants of the empire and a 
eventually into the stormtroopers. And it just, we all knew that the story of the clones and where it ends up is this tragic and is beautifully shown visually at the, the very last shot of the clone wars of that clone trooper helmet, um, seeing the reflection of Vader as he walked away, just how they were only created to serve a purpose for the means of the emperor and to build his empire and just how they were just pawns in this war that Palpatine created. And to finally see this play out on screen, as you were talking about, of seeing them as the heroes in Clone Wars to eventually becoming more of the bad guys in the series, man, it was it was tough to watch sometimes. Um, just, as you said, just me loving the clone troopers and their stories so much, and then seeing them now kind of becoming the bad guys as the Empire, uh, it sucked seeing that. But at the same time, it was being done so well that it was just like I loved how they were portraying it. It just makes total sense in the story of the universe of how it's all transitioning into that. I mean, just... Um, for a little bit, jumping to episode two real quick, we're just seeing the clone troopers on Silicamai, just kind of seeing them as act like stormtroopers would and just kind of having that oppressive side to them amongst the citizens of the planet. It didn't feel like you were seeing clone troopers. They're in the armor and they're still voiced by D. Bradley Baker, but it felt like you were seeing more stormtroopers of the Empire than clone troopers and the heroes of the Republic. And it, just, it was just really seeing that change of them was like really stark to see that <laughs> so like as you said watching seven seasons of the, clone, of the clone wars and then now seeing them like this it was done beautifully but man as a clone trooper fan it was just tough to watch <laughs> and i just really loved how the premiere just again the focus of that story was kind of getting that explanation of the inhibitor chips how it's affecting the regular clones how it doesn't affect the bad batch and and sticking with uh element of crosshair still having showing signs of the inhibitor inhibitor chip affecting him it kind of led you to guess pretty easily where things were going to go down by the end of the episode of him kind of um drifting away from his fellow squad and then by the end just going full-blown against them and part of the empire obviously tarkin saw to that with some enhancement to his inhibitor chip but i just got to say as going into the series i did not think that was gonna happen or be a focal point of the plot because you think it's a series about the Bad Batch and a lot of the promotional materials there was posters released for all the Bad Batch members Crosshair had his own poster and you saw him in the trailers and maybe I should have examined the trailers more carefully than I did because um, I know this wasn't a huge shock for everybody because I've seen some fans talk about how seeing the trailers there were shots where you see the Bad Batch and Crosshair wasn't with them so they kind of had an idea going into the series that maybe he was going to leave but um, for me, anyway, I went into it just thinking he was going to be part of the team for the whole series. So once we started seeing those signs of him seeing, having the effects of the inhibitor chip that he could possibly split away from the squad, I was pretty surprised by that, but really liked the direction it was going and what that could lead and excited about the story possibilities and the different character moments and conflicts we could see with that happening. Um, it got me excited for that they were going down that road and it definitely already had some payoff by the time we got to the third episode. But just in that premiere, um, I just really enjoyed how they were telling the story of seeing. And I, obviously, I love that we're spending so much time on Camino <laughs> uh, with the clones. But the little things they were developing with the clone troopers and with the Bad Batch specifically, I was just eating all that stuff up, especially once they threw in the whole thing with Crosshair and him possibly going against his squad. So all that stuff was a welcome addition and stuff that I was love seeing in addition to what I was already excited about and enjoying 
um, what I was seeing on the Bad Batch. So I just really like that idea. Maybe it was something that I should have saw coming, but I'm kind of glad that I didn't because it just made that premiere so much more enjoyable that they were going down a road that I wasn't expecting. And I think it'd just be a great story thread over the course of the season. Because I was wondering as, as I was watching it, will Crosshair kind of go against the squad in this premiere? And then by the end of the episode, they will like knock him out, bring him on board the ship and try to figure out a way to remove his inhibitor chip. Or will it be a season long thing to have him as the main antagonist of this first season? And it looks like that's going to be the case. And I think that could bring up a lot of interesting and compelling possibility story possibilities uh, that we're going to get with these characters. And as part of the reason why I was just so excited about this series to begin with getting the exploration of these clone troopers um, going through this a big change in the galaxy. And just so far, it has just been really great to see what we've gotten so far with these group of clones in the Bad Badge. Well, I, I think that one thing that we can take from Crosshair is that, I, I, and I, I love how they're kind of building this up a little bit. I think they're building him up to be that he's re- not redeemable, but that he could like, go back on oh it's only my it's only my inhibitor chip and all this stuff i i think it actually be more interesting if he actually was like no no no, like i this is what i really am like like even after they take the inhibitor chip out like let's Mm -hmm. say they pull a rex or or whatever and they take it out and they go oh he's cured now he's like actually no i'm I'm actually a dick in real life too you know and like whatever like does something to like piss him off and like betrays them still and that's just who he is as a person the inhibitor chip enhances it but He's still a jerk. Does that make any sense? Like, I kind of feel like there'd be a lot more drama with that. Yeah, I, if you do it that way. Yeah, no, that would be interesting if they take out the inhibitor chip and then he still is like, yeah, but good soldiers still follow orders. Like, and it's just, like that's just yeah. that's just what he believes, and it's not what he was sort of engineered to think. And I mean, they even kind of get into that too at the beginning when they're talking about all the chips and stuff. And then, uh, you know, Wrecker is like, I mean, they kind of turn it into like a comedic moment with Wrecker, but he's like, you know, nobody programs me to, to, you know, tell me what to do. Like, I like to blow stuff up because I like to blow stuff up. Um, but I mean, that is kind of an interesting, uh, you know, sort of conundrum or whatever, like is, um, you know, with with the personalities of these clones, how much of it is just their personality as people and how much of it is their genetic programming, and especially when it comes to following orders and being loyal to the Empire. Um, and that would be interesting to see that with Crosshair. Like, would a clone, you know, if you took out their chip, could they still uh, just be convinced to serve the Empire and believe that that's the right thing to do? So, um, Right. So, so I, I do think that there is... I think that to to be honest, that to me is what's going to drive I think the their the series and and at at the same time, I don't know how much you can get out of it with Crosshair being that bad guy. I, I just don't know. So I hope and again, I'm not sure what they're how many seasons they're planning on doing. Is it a one and done? I have no idea. I've not read anything saying otherwise. I, I I'm not looking for it either. So if it's out there, let me know. But who knows? I just could, I, mean, I don't think it's going to be one season, but I don't know if you could do a whole season of just crosshair being that main focus. But that's just me, um, you know. But I do feel that there's going to be bigger implications of the Bad Batch could be doing than just with crosshair. And I, and I think that's the one thing I like that they've kind of gone with 
is that what with what they're doing and what especially with Omega and whatever her deal is, there's a lot that they could do and a lot of implications they could be setting up with the series than we even think about. And I, I'm just kind of curious what, what that could mean. So there's, I mean, I, I think that every episode has had like, um, it, it just, it, it's been so solid in building its narrative up that I, I just, I'm enjoying it on that level. But when we go to like episode three here, it gives me something that's even more so it gives me that in the ideas of what makes the empire work over the Republic and why people are, are wanting to do the things they, you know, for the empire and all of that, you know, on the live stream, remember Justin had said to him that, you know, people need jobs, mm-hmm. you know, this is why the empire exists. And when he said that, it was very awesome to see in the next episode, yeah. there's that guy saying like, Hey, I've got a job and Empire is paying me well, and that's more than the Republic ever did for me. I'm like, damn, like they they went there, and yeah. that's exactly, <laughs> right on the money. <laughs> it, it, yeah, and you know, and I think that to me is so fascinating because that is something that we don't even consider from the standpoint of of fans of what the Empire really does for people. And it's yeah, it's a bad machine, but like I, I go back to and this can get kind of heavy for a quick second. Just for a quick second, um, my grandparents on my, my father's side are 100% German. And um, my my both my grandfathers fought for the other side. Uh, the, you, know, you know, whatever. Like my my mom's side was a, uh, you know, for the, it was an engineer for the uh, American, you know, the government in like the military. And my grandfather on the other side, I'm not sure if he was an engineer, I think he was just a soldier, fought for the, not, you know, Nazi Germany because he was forced to. But at the same time, when I talked to my uh, my grandmother, God rest her soul, the one of the sweetest ladies who ever walked this earth, and I say that not just you know because she's my grandmother, she literally was like a woman that everyone she accepted everyone, loved everyone, and everything. And I talked to her very briefly, um, you know, before she had died uh, about Hitler, and I never asked her anything about it. But I asked her I'm like how how could you you know how could people get behind you know Hitler? And she said, like, he never did anything bad for us. He only made things good for us. We don't. She basically said that she he was a good man. Like, she never said that he was evil. And I was just like, this is really weird. And, and that's the thing with the empire is the empire is to these people isn't evil. And it was it was interesting to get that that standpoint that the empire is not evil to everybody. And that was really, I think, a really interesting dynamic take. Even though that guy doesn't make it throughout the episode very far. It was interesting to have that standpoint in the show, and it, it probably is not going to be the first time we hear that. And I, I'm very grateful that we're seeing this different side of the Empire, that yes, Empire is evil, I'm not saying it isn't, but it's interesting to see the standpoint that it's not, this is why the Empire succeeded for so long, is that it still supported the people that supported it, if that makes any sense. So it's not just like, support the Empire and become a slave. It's like, no, no, no. Support the Empire and get like get you know get supported by it and you're able to support yourself and your family and you're not going to go back that was fascinating to me to see that standpoint in the show again aim for families not just for you know adults and not just for kids and this is the kind of stuff that i think you need this is why i love this kind of heavy stuff in a in a kid show because it gives the parents an opportunity to just talk with their kids about these real world issues this is how evil men and, and evil things happen 
is that they are supported by these evil organizations that are able to support these people, and that's why they're able to sustain, sustain themselves in the real world because they're able to like you know build up those people supporting it. So it's very fascinating. I'm I'm glad that Disney and Lucasfilm are not shying away from it because this is what makes Star Wars. You're bringing in real world politics that George Lucas himself use it as a vehicle, no matter how much you want to say that Star Wars is never political. Yeah, I mean, it never was overly, overly, overly political to where it's mega meta level necessarily, but its themes are heavily political. Yeah. And it's that's the never going to the story of the whole song. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why I love the fact that they're, in, they're going with it in this series. And that to me is what makes Star Wars. And I love the fact that it's giving the opportunity for parents to talk to their kids potentially with these real world issues that are very serious and using star Wars as a gateway for that phenomenal. I love it. Yeah. Going into that, where it's like talking about star Wars and I was thinking about this because after the premiere last week, I watched the Umbara arc because I just wanted to watch more clone trooper stories and none are better than the Umbara arc. It just made me realize between clone wars and certain elements of rebels. And now in these first few episodes of the bad batch, how, Star Wars animation really puts the wars in Star Wars like nothing else as far as just showing the different sides of it. Even this, the detail of how brutal the battles can be like in Umbara and then the political side of things and then how it affects the citizens on different planets and now with the bad bats, the soldiers afterwards and just the aftermath of war. Just how Star Wars animation, especially with Clone Wars since I've had the most seasons, but I think it's continuing on with those themes like we were talking about, Paul, in the Bad Batch. It's just how it really just <laughs> emphasizes the wars in Star Wars, even more than the movies do, um, where that is more like the that is the background of the conflict that's going on while it's focusing on uh, this family with the Skywalkers and the Skywalker saga. But it just the animation stuff has just done a phenomenal jo- job of showing this different aspects of war, the tragedy of it, the brutality of it, the politics that go along with it. And it's like you said, I'm just glad it really is not shying away from some of those more heavy themes that are involved with that type of storytelling and that the Bad Batch is continuing that in Star Wars animation as the Clone Wars did. So I just something I thought about while rewatching some Clone Wars stuff, just how the animation side just does a great job of just really fo- focusing on the wars aspect of Star Wars. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I mean, Paul, you kind of jumped ahead a bit there to the third episode. And I kind of want to now just like stay on that for a minute, because there was something that I was going to bring up later. And I'm like, well, I might as well just bring this up now that we're on the topic. of this, Because you kind of already you kind of already touched on um, you and you were specifically mentioning like sort of like the lessons that are presented like to kids, because this is like obviously we're all adults and we love Star Wars. We've grown up with it. And this is like there's lots of cool action and like rich you know sort of backstory and all this kind of stuff that we older fans love to dig into but like obviously the show is for kids too like it's animated you got a young kid as a main character that like young kids can kind of relate to and experience this world through and i mean i love those moments of seeing omega like discovering the universe for the first time i mean she's grown up grown up on camino her whole life and there's that moment in the second episode where she discovers dirt for the first time and i love that that kids can kind of like go on that journey and like like even kids who maybe this show is their first introduction to star Wars and they're going to get to like explore this universe through the first time through Omega's eyes as she's exploring it for the first time. And that's super cool. So there's lots of stuff in there that like appeals to like families and younger kids. 
Um, and I almost felt like like the the third episode, the one the most recent one from this weekend. Um, I almost was like, I was like, man, what's the tone here? Because there were moments in that episode that felt really like family friendly and kid friendly and like trying to send a good message to kids. And then there were also moments that almost felt like too dark for kids, like where you have. And there was one moment in particular where like I really liked the juxtaposition here where and I think it was the moment when like Crosshair and the Imperial Squad like execute the civilians like. And and I was not prepared for that. <laughs> no, and the fact that even like that was their order. Tarkin told them to go there, wipe out Sagarera's camp, and this is what he had told the Bad Batch in the first episode. And they go there and realize it's civilians, and they're like, "No, nah, we're not doing this." And so now they've got this squad of Imperial recruits with Crosshair as their commander, and Tarkin says, "Okay, let's send these guys to do the job and see if they're more loyal than Clone Force ninety nine was." And they go there. And they kill all the, like, militia members and the, the soldiers in the group, but then there's still some civilians left. And even the Imperial troops are like, okay, we've done the job. Let's go home. Like, let's just capture these guys. Like, we're here to take out rebel fighters. We're not here to execute civilians. And it's Crosshair who's like, no, this is the order we were given. This is the mission. Good soldiers follow orders. And if you're not going to follow through with it then like there's no place for you here and he shoots that one guy that questioned his orders and then has the rest of the troopers gun down the civilians and i was like holy crap i can't believe i'm watching this right now and then it immediately cuts from that to omega in the little like tunnel where she's followed like that dragon thing that stole their power core and it sneaks up on her and she's like pointing a blaster right to its face and then instead of shooting it she distracts it by you know throwing her flashlight away and uh, by the way I'm watching this and I'm like kid just like pull the trigger shoot the thing like you know it's a monster that's about to eat you and um you know I I think most people would agree that like it's fine to defend yourself in that situation. And yet she still finds a way, you know, finds another way out of that scenario um, without taking a life. And she like just chucks her flashlight and the thing goes and chews on that and is sucking the energy out of it. And she takes the power core and, and gets away and everybody's fine. And so that was a very, that felt like a very intentional juxtaposition of those two scenes showing like crosshair and the bad guys and they're gunning down everything in their path, even when they don't need to. And then you cut from that to Omega in a situation where, like, violence would have been justified, where she actually was in danger and could have just been protecting herself. And she still found a nonviolent solution and, uh, you know, found another way out of that scenario. And I was like, that's a great message to send to kids. And yet also, like, if I had, I don't know, like a five or six year old kid and wanted to watch, like, some Star Wars animated stuff with them and sat down to watch this and you know like innocent people are just getting shot point blank i would be like man this is a little darker than i thought it would be so um yeah i don't know if if that particularly stuck out to you guys or even with you know you as a parent oh, yeah. Paul, like if you think about this kind of stuff but it was it was just a little jarring to me but it was also a really cool juxtaposition and like i said just a, a cool sort of message to send about um you know, people on different sides and ways that you find different solutions to solving yeah. problems and, and sort of taking a nonviolent approach to things. But I also was like, man, this is also a little extreme here. Well, and I think that's what makes, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. I think it's great because you're not talking down to the, you know, the audience as a whole, you're taking it all in and you're, and you're, you're relying on the parent to be parents. And now 
granted, and I'm not trying to get on a high horse here, but not every parent's going to be responsible and try to explain things or, you know, whatever. That, but that's kind of on them more than anything. And that's what I'm trying to say is like, this gives a great opportunity for you to talk to your kids about violence and things like that. Like you brought up a great point, which I didn't even think about, but as far as the juxtaposition between the two things, because I love the idea that she was frightened and realized, Oh, if I take it, it's my light, the lights causing the creature to freak out. If I don't have my light on, I don't have to blow it away. Okay. That makes sense. I get it. Like it's showing you that sometimes, you know, the result, what even not even violence, you know, action. Just it's 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 the idea of the theme of, you know, sometimes you gotta think outside the box, and those things are what's gonna save you, not just the you, what you think is is the only answer. And and though that that idea of violence specifically, Kyle, exactly. I love that. I didn't even pick up on that necessarily. That's awesome. Um, but as as a parent, you know, let's be real here. If you're watching Star Wars, you watch the original New Hope. People are getting blasted. I mean, like, you know, and that's again for kids. If you're letting your kids watch any Star Wars film, people are dying. So as far as like people dying, I I, I think that that's just kind of just it's, it goes with the territory of Star Wars, right? I mean, Star Wars, not Star Piece. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's be yeah. Real. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, and, so, and again, I'm I'm certainly not. I mean, I'm not criticizing it for being, you know, no, violent no, yeah, for, for people not. dying yeah. or anything. But even, I, I mean, again, within a series where we're used to seeing people dying all the time, and even in this show, like the first couple episodes, you got people getting shot and stuff. But to then go to like a very sort of tense, character-driven moment where you see Crosshair, like, first of all, execute somebody for refusing to murder civilians and then make the rest of his squad murder those civilians. And it's like, you know, we don't see them... uh like dying on screen but still like you are fully aware that it's happening like you hear it happening yeah. not to mention that one of them has a flamethrower and it's like i Dude, think i yeah. think in that i think in that shot like it cuts away from the civilians and you're just i think the shot is just on crosshair's face and the, but you hear his squad open fire and you hear the blaster shots and you hear the flamethrower go off too like they just roasted people and so i'm like yeah. again that was just it was shocking well, I, I and again, I, I think that there's there that whole idea of like the bad guys are bad, and you got to emphasize what 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 they're doing. And I think that to me is what why they're going to be able to get away with it, um, because these bad because you're trying to emphasize the fact that these guys are bad, that the empire is bad, and they're doing awful things. And yeah, you could do that not as, as, as crazy, but you gotta remember the bad batch are just doing, you don't want to make them on even playing field. Like the bad batch are, are, are firing at people too, but they, they look exactly the same as the other people. You gotta make it, you gotta, you gotta basically have to tell the audience, again, the mainstream audience, the, the kids, especially these are good guys. These are the bad guys. Bad guys are just like, are not following orders. They're not even, even, you know, even when, uh, they're wrong. Like the, the, the bad guy who, who said all these things, like the empire did all these things, these great things for me. And then he's like, the empire didn't tell us to do this. And then, you know, Crosshair's like, well, I don't care. Blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. And emphasizing the fact that like these, even the bad guys don't go that far. And if they go even above that, that means you're really bad. You're at, you're telling the kids, this guy is bad, 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 bad news. And I think that again, you're building towards that. And I like what, and I don't know what they're doing with it. And that's why I kind of think that crosshair is not necessarily going to get like the chip out and be like, everything's good crosshair. Like, I think there's, there, there's some, something inherently evil in him. 
And I think that's see, yeah, I don't, that's, that's I don't, why they're doing that. I don't know that I would agree with that. I don't think there's something inherently evil in him. I think he might take the. I, I think, like for example, Crosshair without the chip might still be loyal to the Empire, but wouldn't go to this extreme. I think maybe that's what they're trying to demonstrate here by the fact that the. Um, the fact that even the Imperial conscripts and like, even when, you know, Tarkin and the other Admiral were just talking about like how much, how, like how potentially even more loyal these soldiers could be for like volunteering to sign up for the empire, as opposed to ones that are just bred to be loyal. Um, and to see these guys, you know, and again, they're talking about like, Hey, like I'm fighting for the empire because they're doing more for me than the Republic ever did. Like I've, I've got a job, I've got a roof over my head. Like I'm doing well for myself because of the empire. So I want to sign up to fight for this. And still, you know, when the empire gives them an order to murder civilians, they're like, nah, I'm not going to do this. And Crosshair is like, oh yes, we are. And I think that's going to show like i don't think he's evil i think that's going to show like how really messed up he is because of the chip and because of the programming and especially because of whatever their experiments they're doing to like amplify it um so like maybe if you took the chip out maybe he'd still be on the level of those other troopers where it's like you now for you know whatever reason just in in his brain and his reasoning maybe the empire makes sense or maybe he still sees a reason to go along with their big picture um but i think in moments like this i think that's more showing like how sort of twisted he's become by like tarkin and the kaminoans and and that programming yeah, yeah. i kind of got a feeling too at the end where they kind of return to camino when they go to their bunks he kind of had that look of kind of like remorse of like missing his fellow brothers that part of the bad batch as he was looking around so part of me thinks i don't think we're going to see like a total redemption for him or him that he's going to, once they remove the chip that he will be still evil, so to speak. I can have a feeling where it's going to be in the middle where you'll take the chip out. He would still kind of have some of the beliefs that he has about following orders, but yet show some regret about how extreme and some of the things that he did do. I could see some where he would make like a sacrifice, like sacrifice himself for, to save his brother's, um, in the Bad Batch in some scenario if he gets that chip out, or that would be like his one last heroic act. So I think still think they're having leaving some signs there as far as what end, end up maybe happening to him once he gets that inhibitor chip removed. Because you know it is going to get removed eventually. Tech's kind of already working on something to either like scan the chip or to remove it or to study it more. And so there's going to be some where he gets it out. It is I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle where it's not going to be, oh, he's back to normal, one of us, or he, it had no effect on him, <laughs> where he's still a loyal servant of the Empire. So it is going to be interesting to see how it's handled when that's all said and done. But as long as we're still kind of on the topic with crosshairs and uh, the new recruits that they're getting, just that whole idea of Tarkin and the Empire going in the direction of kind of phasing out the clone troopers and bringing in recruits to be the army of the empire. I mean, God, I hated that conversation Tarkin had with Lama Su <laughs> in that <laughs> premiere about saying how the clo having a clone army would be too expensive for the empire now that the war is over. And it's like, uh, Tarkin, you just made your biggest mistake of your career, even more so than staying on the Death Star <laughs> during the attack. This this decision cost the Empire. Just If only he had foresight to see the Battle of Endor. But um, the fact that they just really dive deep into that scenario, man, I, just another aspect that I loved about the premiere and then this series 
so far that they really are showing us that transition from clone troopers to stormtroopers and just how it is something that is extremely different as the Kaminoans, especially Lama Su, was trying to explain to Tarkin how the clone clone army is going to be vastly superior to any recruitment program that you're going to have. And just how we're seeing it from the Kaminoan side of things, too, just kind of as a business and how they want to survive in this new empire and how they could still uh, stay afloat with their cloning operation. So all, I just find all that stuff fascinating and that they were really diving into that aspect. But also, too, I just like the idea of how um, in the third episode with Tarkin and the other admiral that show up, Rampart, about how they want to try to have the best of both worlds, at least in the early goings here, where to still kind of have an elite squad of troopers for the Empire, but it's something where they want to be trained by the clone troopers because they obviously have great experience in showing that they can get the job done in the Clone Wars and then with Order 66. So the idea of having a clone trooper in this case be Crosshair have to train this particular squad. I just another cool aspect of this transition period that we're seeing from clone troopers to empires or to start troopers, I should say. But I will say I did hate it. I did hate seeing just normal people in clone trooper armor. It's like, no, that's not that's not Star Trooper armor. That's clone trooper armor. <laughs> like it's only for the clones. It did seem a little weird to see normal recruits and just different citizens of the galaxy in clone trooper armor. That just didn't feel right. <laughs> but I did like the idea of Crosshair being the one to kind of be the first one to train these new recruits of the Empire and how they really want it to be like a special unit or as far as an elite squad of troopers that they want to train here. And we know that's not the case when you see stormtroopers by the time we get to the original trilogy and in Rebels. So I know other people have said this. This is kind of something I've been hoping for, even when we saw the trailer in that new armor, how if this potentially could kind of be the first step or squad to like the death troopers and what the death trooper program originated from right here this special squad being trained by crosshair because even their like i said their uniform is pretty similar it's dark you got the green um highlights in their visors um so if this could be kind of like the beginnings of the death trooper program i just think that would just be an awesome <laughs> new added layer uh, to the death troopers of knowing that their origins came from a clone trooper with um, crosshair and that it was especially selected elite squad started here and that's just another cool concept that i really hope ends up uh, paving the way later down the line for uh, what we see with the death troopers in rogue one and by the time we get to uh, more closer to the original trilogy because i do think the standard stormtrooper recruitment is just going to be something that's really basic where you just sign up to a recruitment center get some basic training at an academy and then here's your armor and you're off <laughs> but when you're on camino that's when you know you're getting the special <laughs> elite training here. So uh, maybe that is something that the Kaminoans will stick around for a little bit. That's another thing, too. I'm just really curious to see. I've, I've always been curious about what happened to Kamino after the Clone Wars and during the Empire. And it looks like we're going to see what happens to them if they're going to stay around or eventually if they will be done away with or they go against the Empire and they end up having their own kind of little war against them with maybe some remaining clone troopers and with whoever these recruits that the store empire brings in later on. So again, just all this fascinating stuff that is being thrown in here with this series. And I just love it so much, but I'm just so glad they're diving into this aspect of that whole transition from clone troopers to stormtroopers and just how well done they're doing. They're telling the side of the story of the galaxy and the formation of the empire. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm really intrigued to see what's going on with the Kaminoans. Um, 
every time like i feel like almost every episode has ended with like a little private conversation between lama sue and um gosh what's the other one's name not ton we uh nala say the one that's like the, the medical scientist yeah yeah um sorry there's no one to remember it <laughs> um but yeah like they do almost seem like they're kind of scheming their own thing against the empire and even in this most recent episode at the end they were saying something about um like making their own clones from and they were talking about like Django Fett's DNA running out and so they were going to have to find like a new template and then they said something about like Nala Say's experiment and so I'm wondering if like they're going to try to create or like you know harvest more DNA from one of the Bad Batch or from Omega maybe um and if they're trying to use I don't know if somehow if if maybe Omega is like somehow a more perfect clone of Django Fett than the rest of them and she has maybe more of his DNA intact or something like that um I mean we do know like she is somehow enhanced I mean aside just from the fact that she's a girl but she's also a clone like the rest of them and she's the only female one that we've seen but I think there's some kind of special skill or something that she's going to have I mean yeah. maybe she's force sensitive maybe it's something else um but obviously they talk about that in the first episode where she says like there's five enhanced clones and she's not talking about Echo the fifth one is Omega um but yeah just I'm I'm really curious to see like what is what do the Kaminoans have in store what is their plan like what's going on with Omega um and you know where are they going with all this and are they going to maybe stage some sort of rebellion against the empire because man how cool would that be to see like you know a, a almost like mini civil war like before the rebel alliance the Owens tried to take down the empire with an mm -hmm. army of clone troopers like that would be freaking nuts um mm -hmm. yeah so I, yeah i'd love I, to I, see that you know it's, <laughs> it might it's, have happened later on in the timeline for the empire to get more recruitments of stormtroopers yeah but yeah well <laughs> yeah we and, and, the, and that's there. that's the thing but also maybe i mean maybe the kaminoans like or maybe all the the clone troopers that went through with order 66 and have their chips activated like would now be maybe they would fight for the empire in this scenario i don't know maybe the kaminoans have their own reserve batch of clones that like they didn't put the chips into or they're doing some mm -hmm. other kind of thing with and you know raising their own personal private army they've obviously got some kind of contingency plan um yeah. and, and they've got their own little scheme going on it was even interesting to see um because nalase was also basically the one that got fives killed um like yep. back in the clone wars she was like she in that final episode she drugged him and so by the end of the episode he's like aggressive and incoherent and that basically is what leads to him getting shot and so like i don't like nala say but then in in the first episode of the bad bad she's the one that lets them get away when the empire's trying to stop them and so it's like oh okay like what are you playing at um and then obviously you know lama sue like i he's one of those characters that just he's not really a good guy or a bad guy but you're just not sure if you can trust him because he seems to have his own motives and you know obviously like he made the clones for the republic but he was also in league with like Django fett and and darth tyrannus and so um yeah just you know it's like we've got the the bad batch who are the good guys the empire who are the bad guys and the kaminoans who are in the middle just obviously looking out for themselves like their main motivation in all this they're not trying to take the empire because they're evil they're trying to like 
continue their own profits and they're like hey we're, we're trying to take care of ourselves in this scenario and not have you replace us and take away all our contracts and stuff and so they're just looking out for number one um but it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of role to play they have in all this moving forward yeah just man i just like i said i just love all this stuff and the fact that camino is a main setting of the series so far i mean that just makes me so happy <laughs> my favorite star wars planet right. and getting this exposure like this like we've never seen before and having so much time spent on there it's it's just great and uh just again so many different aspects to love about the series so far and that is definitely one of them well and and to kind of since we're kind of on the subject of of enhanced clones and, and omega i think it's a good time to kind of segue for her because she I've just been really impressed of how they've developed this character and they've made her not a annoying kid at this point. And there's always room for that to happen. Let's be real. But after three episodes, I think they, they couldn't make a more interesting, unique uh, and connecting character that's young than they have. And I think it's really impressive that they're able to do this. And because again, I like Ezra, but Ezra had some there some growing pains with Ezra, and I, <laughs> I I don't and and to be fair, I know like my my good friend Justin, he thinks Ezra is one of the best Star Wars characters, you know, one of his favorites, and he thinks he's one of the best Star Wars characters. I don't go that far, but what I do say is that I think someone like Omega is really interesting. And, and even though Ezra, I think, had his moments of, like, of being kind of annoying, he still was a great character. Don't get me wrong. I think he is a great character. Omega immediately is put in a position where it's she's carrying a lot of mystery, but she's also carrying a lot of, I think, depth. And she's interesting. She's relatable. And those are all very hard things to do and not be annoying when you're a kid. Because, again, look at Anakin. Look at. Any any young character in any movie that's like, you know, in that families are watching together, it's hard to not like cringe sometimes at these kids that who, who are who are, you know, in the films or, or in not just films, but in animation or whatever. Um, Omega has managed to kind of, in my opinion, kind of trump all those tropes and made as fascinating character. And like I said before, she yes. The whole idea of uh, theories and speculation is alive and well with this character. And I love the fact that we can have that. My, my own personal theory is this. I, I, I just want her to be Force-sensitive at some point. Like I, meaning, I think that, or I would like to think that the Kaminoans may have, they may have figured out how to clone uh, you know, Force-sensitivity into, into these clones and how that's a big deal. And how that's going to be shut down or used in Rise of Skywalker and furthering, I think, the overall narrative of the saga. But also like what that means for Omega and what that can mean for other characters down the line, if that is you know, the thing. If she's just literally all them put together, which is also a very reasonable thing to think and, and to write, uh, then that's interesting, too. I, I think that's fine. But I... I, I personally really want her to be force sensitive. It, it would make a lot of sense that she's able to really, she has a lot of empathy. And I love that about her. When she tells mm -hmm. Crosshair, like, I, I know what you're going to do and it's not your fault. I, I just love that. I love the fact she kind of feels this in him and, and other things that she's doing too. 
there's something there. And I think that that's why I kind of think that she's not just all them put together. I think she is and she isn't. I think she is, but there's that force sensitivity inside of her that's that's there. And and I wonder, too, if that, again, I would love for it that they, they think that they, they could clone it. Like, oh, we, we scientifically figured it out. And it's really not. It's the force, the mis- the the mystical ideas of the force. It, that's why you know maybe they make an Omega clone. And she's not force sensitive. And they're like, what? Why does this happen? We we, we thought we figured this out. And it's kind of like the whole, um, you know, the whole clone saw or the whole clone thing from Rise of Skywalker. Uh, you know, they had that random clone of Palpatine that wasn't force sensitive. I was like, well, what does that mean? It's because the force it wasn't meant to be, right? It'd be really interesting if Omega has it and they think they figured it out and they realize they don't. And maybe they think they figured it out. And that's why Palpatine's like, I figured it out. We can do a clone myself and my subconscious can just go in and be, this is perfect. And they realize, oh crap, it doesn't work that way. And that's why we have Ray, right? So I, I think there's a lot of great storytelling ideas you could, you could kind of use this with. And further, I think the sequel trilogy out really flesh those things out, kind of like what Mandalorian's kind of done already a little bit. And 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 again, I don't mean to turn this into a sequel trilogy thing, but again, kind of further giving some substance and some validity to the sequel trilogy would be awesome. And I think Omega is interesting enough that you could really introduce that idea that Omega is force sensitive, not because she's a clone and they managed to figure it out, but because the force willed her to be force sensitive. And I think that would be fascinating. Um, I, and because because of that reason, I want her to be force sensitive. So, you know, and and yes, like I also love the fact that you know she emphasize, you know emphasizes all these different things and all these different clones. But I would love for her to have that specialness. And because and I think she does have it. I just I just do. But if she, if I'm wrong, that's fine because I think she's a great character regardless. She doesn't need to be, you know. Uh, a, a force sensitive person for me to like the character. So that's what's really exciting for me. I, 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 for one, can't wait to see how they develop the character because they've, they've done a great job after only three episodes. I can only imagine after a season, maybe more of what they can do with this character. And she's special. There's something with her that's special about her. So I can't wait to see that kind of that mystery get unraveled. And there's something I love in, in these, like, these franchises that I love in a good old mystery. You know, unless if they make it a, a rando and they just kind of throw away the whole idea of like, you know, I, I keep waiting for that. I, I keep waiting for the episode that that's going to happen where like the writer is going to go, you know what? The last thing that this that Omega is not going to want to hear that she's not a clone. So let's make her not a clone. Right here, <laughs> but, you know, so sorry, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. We so. made it so far into the episode, too. But. Uh, I know. <laughs> I, have, I, know. I, have to, I have to. I have to. Listen, listen, that's the no, last but, thing you want to hear. That's most. That's the most compelling thing you could do with her, obviously. <laughs> no, you know it's funny. But, I I was I was speculating about that on Rebel Cells as well, where I kind of had I I had the same thought you did, where like because we were debating like is her like were the Kaminoans maybe trying to um, clone for sensitivity. And is that her, like, genetic mutation? But I brought up the fact that, like, all of the enhancements that the Bad Batch have, like their, you know, Hunter's tracking abilities and Wrecker's strength and all that, those weren't things that the Kaminoans, like, intentionally put in them. Those were mutations and defects that just happened to be desirable traits. And then they sort of, like, fostered that and and trained them to um, sort of capitalize on those talents. And so... 
I was like, what if, what if they were trying to clone force sensitivity and midi chlorians and whatever, and we're we're trying to find a way to replicate that, and we're just completely unsuccessful in doing it intentionally. But then Omega's sort of like unintended defect was that that she's force sensitive. Because again, like the force chooses that, or you know, to to quote another franchise, life finds a way. Um, <laughs> and if that was sort of her, if that was like her her defect, or um, you know, her her modification or whatever, that was completely unintentional and just sort of happened, and that maybe now the Kaminoans are keeping her around, and she's Nala Se's little like pet project because now they're trying to. Um, like they're trying to replicate that and they're trying to study her and figure out, okay, how did this happen and how can we replicate this and, and do more of this to create force sensitive clones or something? I think that would be an interesting angle on it. Yeah. You see, I love that theory that both of you guys had because I nece didn't necessarily think of that. I did think though that she was going to display some force sensitivity and that it was a product of the cloning on Kamido and that they somehow cracked the code as far as, getting some elements of maybe a fallen Jedi and putting that into the cloning of Omega to give it that ability. But I think it makes much more sense and would be a more compelling story that if she was kind of developed like the Bad Batch were, but yet she displayed force sensitive traits, um, not because of the cloning, just because of the will of the force. And then that's what makes the Kaminoans and maybe in turn Palpatine think, oh, if a clone can be force sensitive we gotta do our part to see if we can clone that and as you said paul it doesn't go according to plan or it is a lot more difficult than just doing a clone of a clone who is force sensitive and then obviously that could lead into everything that palpatine was trying to do in cloning himself and eventually succeeding in rise of skywalker but the fact that this could be the origin of that and how it wasn't necessarily something they were trying to do but once it happened they had to try to exploit that and that would make total sense for why they were trying to keep, or Nalase was keeping Omega so close in that first episode where she didn't want her wandering off and wanted to stay just in her designated areas and kind of got annoyed whenever she went after to go meet the Bad Batch. So that would make total sense. I actually really love that idea um, because it just adds more to the layer of a compelling story, I think, if that is the case where the Force actually chose her as an individual and not just over the course of experimentation and cloning. So yeah, I'm already falling in love with that idea because I really do think she showed some uh, tendencies of that she could be force sensitive with the way she was empathizing with crosshair. That's something like she could have sensed through the force and how she was able to quickly uh, pick up that weapon and shoot crosshair sniper rifle out of his hand after saying she's never fired a weapon before. So stuff like that yes. that makes you believe that she's force sensitive but the reason and how it happens is obviously the stuff we're speculating on right now but i just really like that idea that it was something that uh, was the will of the force more so than anything that was engineered in the camino labs yeah which would make her even more special if the force chose her and that's the question mm -hmm, exactly that I, yeah and that and, and that's the one thing and again I, I i'm not trying to make this a whole about you know last jedi thing but just bear with me for one quick second not even about last jedi but just I don't like the fact that people want like the force can be for everybody. Anyone can be like everyone can be special. And like I, I get where that is going, but this is a great example of why that that shouldn't be the case because it needs to be chosen. It shouldn't just be like you know something that like everyone 
there's, there's everyone's got to be like on the same level. I just don't think that. And I think but at the same time, it, this would show that those are those like anyone in the galaxy could be chosen to be force sensitive or whatnot to show right, those. Right, 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 right. But that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying though. Like, but but what I think with the Last Jedi or what a lot of people wanted with Ray was like, oh, like it, it's just everyone's like there's not more powerful people than others. It's just like we're all. We're all just Jedi here, kind of a thing, and, and that's what it kind of felt like. People wanted that to happen. Like, I don't think, I don't think that's I don't think that's quite what people wanted. Uh, dude, anyone could be the hero. Like, that's exactly what they were. That's the whole emphasis of like her being a nobody. Was like anyone could be special. Anyone could do this, and like, and that was the whole idea of like anyone could be the hero. That's essentially what everyone wanted her to be. Or not everyone, but a good portion of fandom anyway that weren't speculating on her being a Skywalker. That's why everyone rebelled the idea of like, no, 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 I just can't, can't do that. Like you know, get everyone can be special. Blah, blah. It's like everyone's special. It's like yeah, I get it. Like but no, that everyone. Some people are chosen to be greater than the others. And I think that's my point with Omega. If that's the case, which I'm hoping it is, but if it's not, it's fine. Whatever. Um, I think that there, it would make emphasis of Omega being special. And the fact that, like, she is something that's better or greater than what a clone is. And that's and that, essentially that's what I think the Clone Wars series was about was, like, everyone's the same, right? It's literally everyone's the same, but some people, some clones were greater than others because that was their personality. That's what they were, you know, kind of their own determination was was beyond the programming of a greater uh, idea of, like, everyone's the same. Everyone's on the same level. And that's not what the Clone Wars or were a Clone Wars series from the thematic level was about. And I think this would be even more emphasized of that, the fact that if Omega is Force-sensitive, it's because the Force willed it, not because there's a formula plan, which I love. I love that. Because that, to me, that mysticism, that idea of, like, some people are chosen to be greater, like, I, that's the reality of life. And sometimes you gotta you have to realize that within yourself, and you have to try to be the, the greatest version of yourself and for me, I, I just love the fact that that Omega could be that thing where she is this, this, the the best of them, because everything she's doing is the best of them in some ways. And maybe that's what she is, and that's awesome. I, she's such an intriguing character already to me that I just I can't wait to see her her grow and become a even bigger name. And again, I hope she I hope there is something substantial about this character that that does something in the Star Wars universe. And there is something that she does that will cause you know her to be on or come back somewhere in the future i don't know who knows maybe i won't like the character after a while i don't know but at this point i'm just i'm really excited about where she could go yeah definitely and like i said i think that's definitely one of the most exciting aspects of the story moving forward is like seeing again what her sort of backstory is how or why she was created and if she is force sensitive and what the kaminoans want with her and all that kind of stuff um but um yeah i don't know i mean i i feel like we've hit a lot of the big moments of the show there's a couple other things i wanted to bring up but paul i know you gotta head out soon so was there like anything else in particular that you wanted to talk about just in these first few episodes no no that, i was i was pretty much it man okay yeah because well, besides kanan besides kanan yeah well i mean we kind of talked about him at the beginning yeah, we, we can talk about him. You know, we can save that for a different a whole episode. Actually, I think that'd be a more that's a whole episode of itself. What do you think, Tim? 
It definitely could be, and who knows yeah. what other oh, are, stuff well, in canon might be changed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's, that's true, because we talked about him in relation to this story, but yeah, we didn't talk about the whole you know, retconning. We'll see it for a different episode. Kind of but... Yeah, because I, 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 again, we'll save it for a different episode when we have a slow news week or something, or, or just kind of for a later, a different time, because I don't think it's a retcon necessarily, and I talked about it on my live stream, but I would love to get everyone's kind of more time to kind of, you know, ruminate, uh, on it a little bit and just kind of like okay you know just kind of let's think about this and analyze this from a different standpoint i'm curious what your thoughts were but what's there for a different episode i think i, I think there's a, a time when we can do this on a different time and kind of emphasize it. maybe after the season we can kind of you know see how we feel and then maybe like you said tim maybe there's more coming and we don't know so i think what's what's let's, let's kind of put this in the in the in the, in the drafts of you know we'll revisit later yeah, that's fine with me. I mean, I didn't – honestly, I don't have a ton of thoughts on it aside from the fact that, like, I'm fine with it. And I think anything that – like, even if it if it's changing the story but doing it in service of the story and sort of making the story better um, as opposed to just changing it for arbitrary reasons or because they didn't like it or, you know, just wanted to do, go off and do their own thing and it felt kind of disrespectful to the original, like, I don't think that's good, but – um, I think it was well done here, and I, I like the way that they incorporated Kanan and Deva Balaba into the story. Um, also, I just got to briefly mention, I freaking loved the uh, seeing the Bad Batch complete, like that Citadel training course on Kamino. Um, yeah. And when Tarkin <laughs> brings out the live fire droids against them, and Tech like hijacks one of them, is just riding around the battlefield, sitting on top of the battle droid. That reminded that was just like something out of a video game. Um, yeah. <laughs> in fact, I think maybe in like one of the Lego Star Wars games or something, I feel like as Yoda, you might be able to like jump on a super battle droid and do that. Um, or maybe you just like, you know, use the force to lift him up and make him like shoot his teammates or something. But that was that was a lot of fun. And that whole thing was a cool action sequence. Um, also, it was kind of interesting going from like the first to the second episode. Like the first one obviously felt like a, a continuation of Clone Wars. The second episode to me felt much more like a Rebels episode, um, where it was kind of smaller scale, but like the, just the the uh, little town there on Salukamai and them trying to like sneak past the troops and get to a transport to get somebody off world. Like felt very much like it kind of had the look and the just the feel and tone of like a season one episode of Rebels, um, right down to the fact that like the transport ship that. Um, that cut and his family get away on um, was a ship that we'd seen before in rebels. And honestly, like that second episode was like, I thought it was fine, but it wasn't my favorite. Like it felt just sort of, it definitely was like a story that we've seen before. Cause I feel like we've seen this with Kanan and Ezra. We've seen it with Din and Grogu where you have the character who like sort of, um, you know, un unexpectedly becomes like a father figure to this young child um, and then tries to get rid of them and is like, oh, it's not safe with me and I don't really want them and, you know, where I'm going, it's dangerous and so I'm going to try to leave you with some other family or leave you somewhere where it's safe and then by the end of the episode yeah. they come to realize that they're meant to be together and they do end up going off together and so it was kind of like like from the beginning of the episode I could kind of tell like oh this is where we're going with this and okay we just kind of got to get this part of the story out of the way where he tries to get rid of Omega but we know she's not going anywhere so um that one you know was it wasn't my favorite episode but um I mean the the premiere was fantastic and this episode from this weekend was awesome and uh like i said even with all three of them they're, they're just laying a lot of good groundwork um 
and yeah, just keeping us invested, keeping us coming back for more. And I can't wait to see where they go with it. And it's interesting, like they haven't really, they haven't been showing a lot of like trailers or like teases for the next episode or like releasing episode titles or anything like that. Like I think they did release the titles of the first three episodes um, or I don't know if they, that was officially released or if it leaked somewhere. Um, but now that we're three episodes in, like we really have no idea what's coming next. Aside from stuff that we've seen in the trailers, like we know they're going to see Rex at some point. Um, but like, I don't know what's going to happen in next week's episode or what the title of it is or anything like that. And I don't know if they'll maybe release some of that stuff this week leading up to it, but, um, you know, it's just going to be fun to, uh, tune in and see where the bad batch is going next. Yeah. I mean, we well, haven't even gotten to the mercenary side of things. Cause I was in like the true. official press release that they're going to be mercenaries and just seeing how they deal with that aspect <laughs> as former clone troopers and getting to experience different aspects of the galaxies. I mean, we know we're going to see Fennec Shan show up in an episode, which I'm really excited about too. And like in the Zygerians too, with the slavers and how that's going to maybe make for some more compelling stories as far as slavery that we got in the, that clone wars arc, but now with the empire and how they use slaves as well. Yeah. And just going into that whole dynamic should be some, make for some more interesting and uh, heavy uh, scenarios to deal with as well. So I think there's, as much as I love this, this first three episodes diving into the transition of clone troopers with uh, stormtroopers and the Republic to the Empire and seeing how the clone, different clone troopers are dealing with that, it's going to be interesting to see other aspects of the galaxy and other situations dealing with the transition from the Republic to the Empire as well. And again, with them acting as mercenaries and going on these different planets and probably facing these different scenarios, we're going to probably be diving into a lot of those different story ideas, which is going to be exciting to see as well. And yeah, just another reason why this, I think series is going to work on so many different levels for all the stuff we've talked about with these first three episodes and just what I think is coming and the rest, the remainder 13 episodes of the season. I just can't wait to see it all unfold. I'm I'm with you, Kyle. I think the second episode was definitely the weakest, but it, again, I think we'd all agree that it, it still wasn't bad. It just was like it's just of the three, it was you know this wasn't the most interesting of the three, but it's still like you said, giving us plot, giving us character development. It's kind of one of those necessary evils, like you had to have a little bit of reluctance for drama, and I think just to kind of like if they just kind of went on like. Yes, let's accept this child in this really dangerous environment. No big deal. They would have been heavily criticized for not doing that. You know what I mean? So I kind of felt like I get it. They needed to, they needed to show the audience like, yes, the Bad Batch recognized this is not a safe environment for this little girl, even though she really wants to do it. She doesn't really understand this, you know, the significance of it and everything. But at the same time, I thought they did it in a very like very um, it was or excuse me, excuse me, let me say this. It was very well done how they did it. It wasn't obviously uh unique or anything but it it was it got the job done and it emphasized how much she cares about these people she loves them she's willing to even go with them uh, by at least for a little bit because she wanted to do the right thing and because listen to her, her elders kind of her, her her guardians if you will but at the same time that they are meant to be together and that, that kind of fate you know, one out over, you know, the, the better, their, their better, uh, sense, if you will, that makes any sense, but, um, but yeah, that, all that being said, I still think it was a great episode, uh, to be honest. Um, so it's just one of those things where, yeah, I, I love this show. I'm really excited and intrigued where they go with it. 
And I just, I just want to, I, I just hope that Omega just keeps getting better and better. Like she does every episode. I just, I have just been so enthralled with that character, and I just, I want her to be a great character and a new character. And 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 again, I would love to see her emphasize more, you know, in 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 entrenched in the greater mythology of star wars but if she's not that's fine too i'm i'm i've learned my lesson for the sequel trilogy to kind of keep my expectations in check and try to come in and with an open mind so um yeah just uh this show's great if you haven't watched it or if you're kind of like eh, you know hopefully you'll kind of be on our our our, uh, our side soon but yeah i love the show i can't believe i'm saying that i love it as much as i do and I just want more animation like this for Jedi stuff. So give me a High Republic series like this, please. Yes, <laughs> I would fully agree. Yeah, I would definitely. I'm just thinking take... about the future of the episode of the seasons too. I think you guys probably saw it, but uh, Kevin Kiner's tweet, like like from two days ago or yesterday, about him trying to yeah. come up with a key for the finale and how we started crying. Hmm. <laughs> kind oh, of I didn't see that. Everyone kind of preparing themselves already for a very emotional yep. finale. That's Dang. more than likely going to be happening. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's funny is I, uh, I said, uh, on the, um, I said on my Twitter, I said, I, I quote tweeted that tweet, uh, and it says kind of brothers. So I'm not sure if that's like, if it's like two guys, like if those are his kids, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I well, think he... the profile composer of the bad batch. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, well, I think he, I think he has a a brother or some, maybe a couple of brothers that he's working on the show with. Yeah, well, so so either way, um, I was gonna say uh, when I read that, I quote tweeted it and said, "This both is intrigues me and terrifies me at the same time." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, yeah, you're absolutely right because you know it's probably gonna be some great storytelling, but you might not necessarily like the outcome of that great storytelling just because of probably some great characters that will be going through some tough situations to say the least, if it's going to make you cry. So I know exactly what you mean by saying that. Yeah. Though my mind's already going to dang, who are we going to lose? Um, exactly. <laughs> and you know, I mean, shoot after three episodes, we know they're not pulling punches. Like, you know, the, the kitty gloves are off. It's funny. Cause I was, I was expecting sort of, again, like the tone and just sort of the, the level of like darkness or violence or mature themes or whatever in the show to be somewhere along the lines of rebels, like for it to be, um, you know, kind of a continuation of clone wars and obviously in the clone wars visual style, but with it being, you know, Disney now producing this, like I thought it might be a little more, um, have a little bit more of a rebels vibe as far as like the family friendliness of it and all that kind of stuff and not have like Ahsoka decapitating Mandalorians left and right. Um, but yeah, after this most recent episode, I'm like, sheesh, who knows where they could go with this? And again, it, it, it almost is a weird juxtaposition. Like it does have like even more, like some of the most like lighthearted kid friendly moments we've seen in these shows. And yet also some of the most dark and intense and violent moments. So, uh, anything's on the table at this point. Yeah. And we'll be there every Friday at the edge of our seats. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Watching it. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, I mean, obviously safe to say all three of us are really enjoying this so far and, uh, can't wait to see where the show goes for the rest of the season. Um, great to have another Star Wars show back. Really great to 
again yeah. basically be getting like Clone Wars season eight and um, seeing a continuation of uh, these clone characters and and just seeing the whole transition period and everything. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Hope you guys are enjoying it as much as we are. And before we head out, uh, Tim, I know we got some responses from some of the listeners on social media and stuff in regards to what people are thinking about the Bad Batch. So what did they have to say? Yep, got a couple of reactions to the premiere episode. Um, first up, Kenobi Kid at Kid Kenobi297 says, It exceeded my already high expectations. If it continues to deliver like this, it easily could be one of my favorite things in Star Wars. And I totally agree with that. <laughs> if this is the stuff we're getting already in these early episodes, it just leads to bigger and better things. Hopefully by the end of the season, it could be up there for some all-time great Star Wars moments. And I think even already, Kyle, if we were to do another top 10 animated moments, I might have to think about some moments from these first three episodes making it in there already. <laughs> That's how good it's been so far. Yeah, I so, don't I don't know that I've seen anything that would quite crack the top 10 yet, but there's definitely been some good moments that are up there. Yeah, at least to make you think about where it's like, yeah. uh, could this actually make it? <laughs> and I think that's just a testament to the series in itself already after three episodes. <laughs> and then uh, is Caleb Klingon at Caleb underscore Klingon 5. He sent a gif from uh, Anchorman that just says super duper <laughs> as far as his reaction to the premiere episode. So, yes, another sentiment that I would agree with about the Bad Batch. Yeah, well, um, yeah, thank you guys for chiming in. Glad to hear you're enjoying it as well. Um, I know this has been getting a lot of positive buzz and stuff so far. Um, and... Uh, so yeah, hopefully we'll be in for a, a great first season and just some more good animated Star Wars content. Um, but keep tuning in. We'll be talking about it more throughout the season. Um, and as always, if you want to reach out to us on social media, you can do so on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues and Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, you can email us at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com and you can check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com for all of our latest news stories and episodes and all that kind of stuff. Um, and of course, be sure to check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Uh, but that's going to do it for now. Um, yeah, glad you're all enjoying the Bad Batch. Hope everybody had a fun May the 4th. We will see you next time, and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed, Rebels.